0: Hello, my name is Greg Lewis. Welcome to the Young in Cotisol podcast, where we are teachers helping teachers. In this episode, we are chatting with Christy Dolson. Christie was recently an active member of the Gwangju chapter of KOTISOL and an active contributor at conferences and workshops throughout Korea. While it is true that Christie has physically left Korea and has returned to Canada to stay, I don't think Christie is one to quietly fade away into obscurity. You'll see what I mean over the next hour as you listen to Christie's stories. I decided to keep this interview as one long episode because Christy presents herself as a whole. In talking to Christy, I really did not get the sense I was getting a half measure. So get ready for a joyful, energetic Christy Dolson and everything from chants to dance and song to to waffles and Pilates and ice cream bread.
1: I'm very excited.
0: Are you? Okay, good. Well, that, mm-hmm. I'm excited too. If you're excited, I'm excited.
1: Yay!
0: Actually, <laughs> what I'm really excited about is the when I was reading your uh, bio. I guess it is in... Um, maybe it's in Cotisal Voices. Um, yes. Yeah.
1: It might have been the English Connection. Might I did have both. Been,
0: <laughs> I, I just cruised online and... and put your name in there and all this stuff came at me about Christy Dawson. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the things that struck me was that you have a passion for musicals.
1: Yes. What's yes, that I all do. about?
0: Me too. So that's why I'm
1: excited. Um, I saw my first stage musical when I was like three years old. And oh. from that point on, I was just hooked. My family has always gone to see like two or three musicals every year we drive up to toronto and go see like whatever's playing that's that season um so i've just always loved them i have a really good musical memory if i hear something in song like two or three times it will stay in my head forever
0: it's a bit of a nightmare maybe
1: (laughs) yes (laughs) It's good. Like, I can still remember, uh, word for word, the ER conjugation song from my grade 7 French class. Wow. (laughs) So I always remember how to conjugate ER verbs because of that song, which is why I tell, when I was teacher training, I told my Korean English teachers, even if your kids are middle or high school students, don't underestimate the power of a simple chant. Because there are students in your class who have that musical memory and that will really help them somewhere down the line to have that that chant or that song in their head. Could
0: you do the E R chant for us?
1: (laughs) I could, yes. Um je te tu O N S V E Z <laughs> <laughs>
0: fabulous. And by the way, people that are listening, you don't get to see the the body motions and the, the, the whole choreography that goes along with it.
1: <laughs> yep, That's fabulous. You've, you've got to have the TPR. Yep. The muscle memory helps as well.
0: Absolutely. Wow. Well, well, that's cool. And that's from uh, what age was it, a very young age? Uh,
1: grade seven.
0: Grade seven, wow.
1: So that would be first year of middle school in Korea.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, so yeah, that stayed with me for a very long time. <laughs> and I don't think it will ever leave me.
0: It doesn't um, look like it.
1: No. But so I love singing. I love musicals. And I've actually written like 14 original, well, original songs. I can't write music, so I steal music from other people. So I've used a lot of Disney tracks and I just changed the lyrics. Um, So I've written a lot of original songs. I had a vlog, it's on hiatus right now because of the transition back, but I was doing that for six years. And for two of those years, I created a music video about Well, the first year was my experiences of culture shock. So it was the persona of me as a new teacher in Korea Mm -hmm. going through the four different stages of culture shock in song. So each music video was kind of related to one of those stages. And then the year after that, I moved back to Canada and I did another music video about the reverse culture shock experience. So that was really fun. I wanted to make it a trilogy, but I never had the time when I was back in Korea the second time. But my new goal is to write a musical that could be performed on stage.
0: I'm looking forward to it already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a slow process, but I hope so. I'm just kind of, I'm doing a lot of research right now. So a lot of reading and thinking about stories or characters that would make a good musical.
0: Wow. I would love, maybe in a whole other podcast, we could talk about that. I'm very much interested. I come from a musical theatre background as well, so I, I'm really... Oh, I was going to ask you, what was that first musical you saw at three years old? in I'm guessing in Toronto, maybe at the Royal Alex or something.
1: I can't remember which theatre it was, and I think it's actually changed in the decades since, mm. but um, the musical was Cats.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, it was a good one. Of
1: course it was Cats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends um, on your age, you know, what was going on at that time. Mine was A Chorus Line. It would happen to be going on at okay. the time I started going to the theatre. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah. Mine was, um, it was 1989, and that was the first time Cats toured in Canada. Right. And it's actually, that was the musical that sort of kicked off Toronto as a musical theater destination it was this huge thing that came through and uh, i have i really have cats to thank for toronto's rise as a destination for musical theater and also for my own love of the form so i i enjoyed the movie adaptation but i know it gets Mm. a lot of hate (laughs) i don't know i have a special attachment to cats so i i was okay with the movie (laughs)
0: Are the, the, that sort of inspired the, uh, the vlogs that you did later on. And I'm just wondering, are those vlogs, you say, either on hiatus, but are they still accessible?
1: Oh, yes. Um, so my vlog is called Just Short of Fantastic. <laughs> okay. And uh, I have a YouTube channel. I have a WordPress that nobody knows about. <laughs> like nobody seems to remember that I have the WordPress and the YouTube channel. Um, And I also have a Facebook page for it.
0: Well, we can certainly put all of those things in our show notes so that people can access them. Because I think after listening to you speak in this podcast, they'll be dying to learn more about you and what you've been doing. So
1: That would be great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. it It was sort of a general interest vlog. Like I did a lot of back before the pandemic, I used to take my camera out and go to interesting places around Korea and shoot little like, this is Unjusa, it's my favorite temple and here are all the things. Or like, this is a really cute cafe that I found and come with me and I'll show you around Yosu. And, but then I would also do things like book reviews. So if I read a really good book, I would talk about that book. And then I also had the music videos. So it was kind of a mixed bag of things. So it wasn't just an expat vlog.
0: It it sounds like you really made the most of your time here, and I'm going to get you to talk about that in a moment. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to start with what was your like, like your origin story, if you will. Uh, you're from Ontario. Um, are you from Brantford?
1: Um, no, I'm from, well, I'm actually from the middle of nowhere, but uh, kind of Hamilton area.
0: Try me. I mean, I know I'm from north of Toronto. I'm Stouffville.
1: Okay, well... Um, I'm from a small town called Frilton, and it's kind of of (laughs) south of Guelph, east of Cambridge, north of Burlington. So it's just one of those small little townships between Guelph and Burlington.
0: So it's not like in tomato country or tobacco country, really. No. (laughs) And so uh, what prompted you or what sort of possessed you to go to Korea in the first place?
1: Uh, Well... I was encouraged to become a teacher when I was in high school. What I really wanted to do was go to a local arts college and get a degree in computer animation because I've always enjoyed animation and like I love animated movies. I wanted to know more about like the process behind that and I could draw okay. But I went to see my guidance counselor in like my second last year of high school. And I said, I want to go to Sheridan college and do computer animation. And she said, mm, no, you write really well. Oh. You should be a teacher. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> I, like, she's like, your essays are just really good. I'm like, I don't understand what writing good essays has to do with teaching, but okay um so i was sort of pushed into a more academic track than my arts college dreams and i often wonder how different my life would be if i had taken the college track as opposed to the university track i think i'd be a youtube star by now (laughs) if i had gone to sheridan but uh no i went to brock university um i I applied for their concurrent education program. And then um, I'd always had it in my head because I like animation. I loved anime since middle school. I'd always had this idea like, okay, if I get my teaching degree, maybe I can go live and teach in Japan and uh, see all these places Mm -hmm. that I've seen in animes and that I I really am interested in seeing in real life. But then in my teacher's college year, I met all these people who had just come back from teaching overseas, and they were pursuing their official certifications. And uh, I talked to people who had been in China, in Japan, and in Korea, and from all of them, I found out that Korea just sounded like the best country. Everybody said the people were so friendly, the students were really great. uh, The country itself had a lot to offer, like with, uh, like adventure and cafes and all of that, and being close to other countries while also having a lower cost of living. And of course, after five years of university, that was really important because I had quite a lot of student debt. So I just decided, all right, Korea sounds like the place. And then at the uh, spring job fair that year, there were a whole bunch of recruiters. I just picked up a bunch of pamphlets and somewhat randomly, I went with Canadian Connection, and I interviewed. And uh, the next thing I knew, I was on my way to an English town in Hwasun, which is just outside of Gwangju in Jeollanamdo. And that turned out to be the perfect teaching position. I was there for five years.
0: Well, and so when was that that you arrived in Korea?
1: Uh, that would be in the fall of 2011, and then I stayed until the August of 2016.
0: Oh, I see. You left and then you came You came back to Korea or went back to Korea.
1: Yes. So at the end of five years, I really felt that I was hitting like a wall professionally. Like I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I was like, OK, this has been really great, but I'm ready for the next thing. I need to move on. So I left Korea and I traveled a bit, I came back to Canada, my sister lives in Australia, so she married an Australian, they've got two kids, so my, my mom and dad and myself, we all flew to Australia for Christmas that year, we stayed like two months, and then I came back to Canada and I started thinking, okay, like, break time's over, what's next? And I had hoped to get um, an international school position Mm -hmm. somewhere like Hong Kong would have been my number one choice, but positions were not really to my strengths. Like they were a lot of science, math, or uh, phys ed teachers, and those would be my least preferred job offerings. Uh I'm more on the language arts side. Than the math science or physical education side. So I kept looking, and then um, a colleague of mine, Vanessa Reed, she had been working at Jetty, the Johnnamdo Education Training Institute. right. And she reached out to me and said, "I'm leaving Korea. You're my number one pick to fill my position. Are you interested?" And I said, "Yes." this is my dream job. I would love to fill your position. And then I found myself coming back to Korea after I thought I was done with Korea. But it was a dream opportunity. It was um, training Korean English teachers how to be better English teachers. And I thought, yes, that's that's the next step for me.
0: You really don't let the, the moss grow under your feet at all. You really are move along
1: no i am um, i have always been a very ambitious person mm-hmm. and i i can't sit still for for long periods of time i actually get very anxious if i'm not doing anything and i'm terrible at taking down time people tell me oh just relax like i can't relax i have to do something <laughs> all the time
0: Uh, i see sorry there's um fan or a motor or something running now is it any way I, it could be shut off or no
1: uh i think it's the furnace
0: okay i wasn't sure if it was you or me
1: yeah no unfortunately i'm doing this in our basement because it's the quietest place in the house but yeah the furnace does come on every so often uh. sure.
0: okay no problem it, it, it was distracting me there so i was getting everything you were saying i apologize for that so let's see. We've got you uh, in Canada, going through Brock University, going to choosing to go to Korea for five years, coming back mm-hmm. to Canada, and I think I missed what was the. Uh, did you do some training or some further education before you went back to Korea to do the uh, the teacher training?
1: Uh, I. I did. Um, I took an online AQ course, which is an additional qualification. Um, I did ESL part one, which is for certified teachers. Um, it's for helping English as a second language students. It's supposed to be for students in Ontario public schools, right? And uh, at the time, I wasn't sure if I was going to be staying and teaching in Ontario or if I was going to find something overseas again. So I sort of just said, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but the answer, you always need more schooling. Mm. So I took that course and uh, it was really good. I learned a lot about like ESL specifically, which I didn't know before going to Korea. Everything I learned about English language teaching, I sort of learned while I was doing it.
0: <laughs> that's, I mean, I think that's generally the way it goes. People learn in, uh, on the fly and pick up extra courses, whether it's, you know, a CELTA or those kinds of things kind of after they've started. Some, of course, I guess, have a plan. What part of, uh, I guess, coming to Korea and, and English language teaching, how has that experience influenced your lifestyle or, or how you live or, and even the direction that you're going now?
1: Well, I definitely don't see myself becoming a public school teacher here in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. After doing nearly nine years of EFL teaching in Korea, I don't really feel well equipped to step into a public school classroom here. So I think EFL is really my career track now. I kind of have no other choice, (laughs) but uh, luckily with the pandemic and the way that things are going in education, it seems that online teaching is becoming a very popular field right now. So I've actually just started the application process to work for an online ESL teaching platform. Uh, It's based in Beijing. So the students are all Chinese they're from kindergarten to, I think, the first couple years of university. Although I think their focus is mostly on younger learners, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with because I did five years of English Town. So I actually really enjoy young learners. I love the energy and yeah. the excitement that they bring to the classroom. Um, so that's going to be my next step doing the online teaching until hopefully the pandemic subsides and it's a little bit easier to get in-person teaching jobs.
0: I just I noticed one of the th- comments that uh, maybe it was uh, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Heron had said in her introduction for one of your articles, and that was that you, if I can find it here, actually, <laughs> uh, voracious bookworm, yeah, passion for musicals, memorable moments on Facebook. Where is that? Brilliant teacher, trainer. Boy, she really... <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, uh, thank you, Lindsay.
0: Yeah, that was great. Well, there's page two here as well. It, it was about you not uh, feeling, oh, oh, you were feeling disconnected from your students and, you know, the, the community. And uh, I thought that was maybe because of the COVID-19. And so when you say you're going into this online platform, uh, I'm a little surprised because I, in, just in my reading, I thought, Oh, that wouldn't be something you'd go into.
1: Uh, well, it wouldn't have been before uh, the pandemic forced me to do online teaching. So back when I was uh, working at JIEI, the Jeonnamdo International Education Institute, um, doing the teacher training, we started our six-month intensive English training program in March of 2020, and then... I think it was the third or the fourth week of March, there was a spike of cases and the Ministry of Education told us to send our trainees home for a week. We couldn't just stop classes. So everything had to move online for that week. And it was just, it was like a last minute scramble to change material, get it ready to go online. And it was really stressful for the instructors sure. and the trainees as well. I really did not enjoy it. But by the end of the week, I realized that it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. And I actually really enjoyed the the platform and delivering content online because both in-person teaching and online teaching, they have pros and cons. And I found that after doing almost six years of talking at a camera and editing that and putting it up twice a month, but uh, online teaching really wasn't all that different from making a vlog. You just have to, you just have to know who your audience is and the message you want to get across. The problem with online teaching, well, not the problem, but the difference between that and a vlog is it's more two way. Like, you're not just talking at your students, you have to talk with your students. Right. And so that was the most difficult part of the process for me, was having a person on the other side of the camera, like asking questions and being like, <laughs> wait, what? No, you're not supposed to talk. This is, this is just me. But uh, so that was, I found it to be a really interesting process and a really big learning uh, area for me. And I found that I really enjoyed it. I love to learn new things. I love to overcome new and unique challenges. So after that, um, and then again in the fall semester, we couldn't have in person programs, so we did a lot of online programs for other courses. Right. And we did we did three different sessions of those, and I loved doing those, I had very small classes. There were only two to three students in each class and wow. just being able to reach people that couldn't come to our center, it was it opened up a whole world of new possibilities for me. And I found that if you'd asked me before the COVID-19 pandemic, would you do online teaching? I would have said, no, right. absolutely not. It's too scary. I don't want to do it. But now I'm really excited and I think it's something that plays well to my skill set.
0: Isn't that interesting that you just did not see that coming, I guess?
1: Mm -hmm. I know. I found it's often the things that you're scared of or the things that you don't think you're well-suited to do that once you try it and you get over that initial Mm -hmm. anxiety that you're actually quite good at it. It's something that you really enjoy.
0: And you're making use of those skills that you developed and maybe not even knowingly doing the vlog. You're, you're mm-hmm. applying them.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Fortuitous.
1: Wow. Well, <laughs> yes.
0: Do you have any sort of uh, memories from when you were in, uh, either the teacher training or from your kids' classrooms, uh, some memorable moments that, uh, you could share with us?
1: Yeah. So in English Town, we had... First of all, we had what an... is
0: English Town, really? Because okay, some listeners yes. wouldn't know what that is. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you for asking. I often forget that people don't really know what they are. There's sort of this nebulous mystery area in the English language profession. Mm. So an English town is, um, it's a center and it's usually in a school. So we were in uh, the Hwasun Elementary School and we were sort of like the whole third floor of one of the school buildings. And they develop programs that are immersion activity-based programs. And we serviced every school in Hwasun County. So every day, a different group of students from a different school in the county would come to our center. And the grade five, sixes stayed all day. The kindergarten, well, we only did the kindergarten at our homeschool we never had kindergarten students from other schools, but for grades one, two, three, and four, from all the schools in our county, they would come for a half day. So they come and they rotate through different uh, lessons, different activities. And when I first started, I was doing waffle making in the morning so wow. we had a huge waffle maker, and I would go through the recipe and, like, the action verbs, and then we would make waffles and then eat them. And then in the afternoon, I did a Pilates class.
0: Wow. And not wanting to teach phys ed, here you are teaching Pilates.
1: Well, Pilates is okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's,
0: I've,
1: I like the fitness things. I'm not so much, like, team sports kind of stuff.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: But, uh, yeah, so I was um, – somebody made a comment when I told them, I'm like, yeah, I do. I make waffles in the morning and then I do Pilates in the afternoon. They're like, so after four months, you'll be a ripped pastry chef? <laughs> I'm like, that's not the way it worked out because I, I would eat too many waffles. If there were extra that the students didn't want, I would eat those because I love to. waffles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you.
1: But, uh, yeah, so it's just – it's this really – fun, immersive environment where the main goal is to just show students that learning English can be fun. Like it's not all textbooks and grammar. And of course, to have that cultural element because we had two native teachers. So myself, and then I would have another foreign coworker. And um, they were usually from the United States. So I would be Canadian and they were from the States. And then we would teach lessons about our countries as well. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a field trip opportunity for right. the students.
0: And so was, was there a memorable one of those classes that, uh, that you were thinking of?
1: Uh, well, those ones, it's kind of hard to have unique memories because we taught the same thing every single day. Just to different students. So like all of my memories have just kind of massed together. Mm -hmm. Nothing really stands out. But after school, we had advanced classes. So we would have grade five, six students come in. And that's more like a regular lesson. Like we had a textbook Mm -hmm. and I would make lessons, make activities for that. And so... For those classes, I got to know the students really, really well. And they were just the sweetest kids. They were hilarious. Uh, I, I loved them so much. I kept a lot of the cards and letters that they gave to me. Um, in my first year for summer camp, we also developed all of our own camp materials. Mm-hmm. So the first year I did a Harry Potter themed camp and we made Harry Potter wands and the students loved doing that and they loved it so much that a student I'd had in grade five for that camp came to our after school classes the next year as a grade six student and she wrote in her journal that her Harry Potter camp wand was her like greatest treasure. She wow. still had it. And I was like, Oh <laughs> that made me feel so good. And then that first Christmas Uh, As a like end of semester treat, I brought in the ingredients and the tools to make gingerbread cookies because the students had never had gingerbread cookies before and it just blew them away, like (laughs) the science of it, because you have to um, you melt the honey, the sugar, the butter and the spices all together in a pot and then you add baking soda and that just makes it blow up inside the pot and so i would always have the kids i'm like okay come on come get in close you want to see this and i'd add it and it would expand and they would be like (gasps) teacher (laughs) and they just it blew their minds because like they'd never seen it before and it was so great and then i would bring in choco pens and they'd get to decorate their cookies and it was such a treat for me to see the joy and the excitement on their faces because yeah, like, they'd yeah. never done something like that before. That was such a hit my first Christmas, and I did it every year for the next five years.
0: That's really what, to me, that's what teaching is, is are those moments when you just see the yes. joy and the surprise and the wonder on their faces.
1: Yes. And um, like baking is another one of my interests, one of my hobbies. Yeah, seeing that joy in like an authentic experience. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the purest form of teaching is just sharing. It's just sharing something you love and giving someone knowledge and skills that they didn't have before. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I loved it so much. And when I was teacher training, I would do extracurricular activities and I did a lot of baking And the teachers enjoyed it as well. So uh, one recipe I did with students, they were completely flabbergasted that you could make bread with ice cream. So we would make ice cream bread. And then with my teachers, I told them you can make bread with beer. And we used to make beer bread. And again, they were just like, what? I can't believe this. like, it's science. (laughs) I like science. Only when you can eat it.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. So this is all kind of magic, what that you're doing, I guess, to the students. I, I want to go back to those Harry Potter wands uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, that one student said was their greatest treasure. What were the materials? and how, what, Give me a little bit of a hint about how you made these magical, magic wands.
1: Yeah. So it was actually really easy. Um, you just take like a regular A4 size paper and you start at one of the corners and you roll it up diagonally, and then I think you, yeah, you glue one edge so that it stays together, and then we had to take them outside, and we spray painted them with black and brown spray paint. Mm -hmm. You let those dry, Um, and then we took uh, hot glue guns, and you use the glue to make, like, the little designs on the outside of the wand. Mm. You put those on. You can do it any way you want, and then you let that dry for a bit. And then I had gold and silver paint markers, which we would then draw on the glue to make mm. the designs either gold or silver. And then when they were all done and dry, like you had this really like sturdy, because it was spray painted, sturdy paper wand with the gold or silver outer designs, and they looked really authentic and then I gave them some spell words from Harry Potter like we did a word search Harry Potter Mm -hmm. spell words and then we would practice saying them and like pointing them at each other it was really (laughs) fun the students really enjoyed it
0: well I'm going to be trying to make my own very soon
1: I might still have the um the camp book word file
0: it's so simple but so effective it sounds like
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I love doing things with my hands and having something that the students can take away with them. I think that's another really important part of teaching. Mm
0: -hmm. What kinds of things, uh, other than magical wands and waffles and uh, gingerbread cookies and ice cream bread, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around, uh, what other kinds of things would students take away from, like, the regular classes?
1: One year for English Town, we were teaching like parts of the face by mm. making play-doh monsters so i How'd that work? <laughs> uh i was reading the book do you know big green monster i think it's called go away big green monster
0: yeah i think so
1: it's kind of like um it's one of those cutout books where every time you turn a page like a little bit of the monster is made and then you start saying go away and then pieces of it start going away Mm. Uh, so I was doing that for well I did it for grade five sixes and then grade three fours and then grade one twos and for each iteration it would get more and more simple Mm -hmm. so for the grade threes to the grade sixes we let them make their own monsters so we'd read the story and then we would go over parts of the face and then we would give them the play-doh and say, okay, you've got, like, six minutes, make your own monster. It has to have these features, and then you're going to present to your friend. Like, my monster has red eyes. My monster has purple hair, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then they got to take those home with them.
0: Wow. One of the things I really was excited about uh, whenever I saw you, like, I've seen you in doing some workshops and how animated! And some of the terrific ideas you had just for explaining things. Uh, for example, and this is for online stuff. You had mm-hmm. for answering, for example, is this a, an elephant or a giraffe or you know animal identification? You had them stand on one leg meant it was an elephant. That yep. kind of a thing. You know the, the
1: TPR multiple choice.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that was yeah. so cool. Um, And great for online. It gets them up out of the seat, moving around.
1: Yeah, that's something that I came across in my research. Um, Michael Kukzela, a phys ed teacher, came up with (laughs) that. And I just thought it was the greatest thing. Because, yeah, I really worried about my students just sitting all day. And Mm -hmm. that's something I want to incorporate when I do online teaching is getting up, doing a lot of physical activity.
0: Can I ask you an alternate question then?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Sometimes you have the students are overactive. Do you have a strategy for sort of bringing that down and getting them to stop bouncing? Or or Um, do you even try?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends. It depends on like the number of students and the energy in the room. Um, If students are being too active, uh, it can sometimes help to just take a pause in the lesson and maybe do like, like a really physical activity, just be like, okay, everybody follow me. Like, let's do jumping jacks and just do for 30 seconds of that. As my sister would say, you have to get the wiggles out
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good.
1: because she's got two toddlers now, so she knows a lot about that. Getting the wiggles out, getting all the energy, and then just calming down. I have a really good chant that I learned from drama workshops. It's hmm. sort of a, a, drum, a drama warm up. Like, what is okay. that word? A drama <laughs> warm up that you would do to kind of get your voice, get your body ready. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm ready. And <laughs> and I would do this. It really works with primary students. Not so much with adults. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be the primary uh, student. <laughs> there are different verses, so it's like... Oh, I'm going to stand up. <laughs> it's a full-body thing.
0: All right.
1: So, first you make potatoes, make, make potatoes, and you peel potatoes, peel, peel potatoes, then you mash potatoes, mash, mash, potatoes. <laughs> and then, first you peel, you make the corn, Make, make the corn, and then you peel the corn, peel, peel the corn, and then you pop the corn, pop, pop the corn. <laughs> There's a I've... whole bunch of different verses. But, I really uh... have
0: to make this podcast into a video podcast <laughs> because they're missing these fantastic gestures and jumping up and down. Although we can hear it in your voice, definitely hear the passion in your voice.
1: <laughs> yes. There's one that I really like, but it's sort of, it's cultural, so I never used it with students, but it's, first you form the mullet, form, form the mullet, then you comb the mullet, comb, comb the mullet, then you rock the mullet, rock, rock the mullet! <laughs> and I tried that once with students, and they're just like, teacher, what is mullet? And I'm like, oh,
0: oh yeah.
1: 80s, let's, let's just move <laughs> on. <laughs> but there's all different verses for it.
0: It reminds me of the um, dances, you know, like the lawnmower or the hokey pokey, or it's basically a variation, I guess, on those.
1: Yeah, so I I love chants and dance and just being active in the classroom. I find I don't have that many problems with overactive students because I think I'm an overactive teacher. Mm, Yeah. I think... I tire them out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that's the secret.
1: Yes, exactly. They're just like, oh, my gosh, this teacher, like, I don't know. She needs to calm down, especially with (laughs) Korean students. Like, Korean students, they're just so overworked, Mm -hmm. and they're just tired all the time. And they come to my class, and they're just like, we don't understand you. Why do you have so much energy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just like I don't know, I'm just I'm so excited all the time.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was going to ask a question. Uh, one of the questions I, I had sent to you earlier was, "What interests you outside of teaching?" But it seems like you bring all of your interests into your classroom. Your outside interests—that is your classroom. It seems like. Was that accurate?
1: Yeah, that's that's accurate. I'm always looking for ways that I can bring my outside passions into the classroom, because as I said, sharing is what I want to do in class.
0: Right. Well, so what what would you want to tell, say, somebody who is just thinking of going to teach, let's say the pandemic is over and things are kind of opening up and people are starting to think about uh, teaching just out of college, what kind of advice would you give to those younger people embarking on the journey you've already been on?
1: I would say absolutely don't be shy. Don't hold yourself back. So if there's something you are really interested in, like find a way to use that in your classroom, because it's more than likely you'll have a few students who are going to connect with that passion as well. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make you stand out as a teacher. And the more students you can connect with, the better your teaching and the better your life in Korea is going to be. I would also say if you are not a very energetic or like passionate person, you might want to pretend to be one, (laughs) like not pretend, but it, it definitely depends on the level. Like if you've been put in a primary school, like you kind of have to be that energetic teacher otherwise it is going to drain you very quickly Uh, if you're a middle or high school or if you're working with adults then yes you can be a little bit more subdued but it's also it's part of the culture like people in South Korea are looking at their native teacher to be sort of energetic and to be excited to see them so there are ways to be like a lower energy teacher and to still have like an authentic passion for your students. Sure. But you just, you have to make sure that your students feel welcome in your class. Like you are there for them.
0: Mm-hmm. So that word authentic, that word authentic you just used, I thought, wow, that's right. That's it right there.
1: Yes. Yeah, because I've, I've seen a lot of teachers. I've seen a lot of people who are very high energy, people who are low energy, and people who are sort of just like average. It depends on the day. And I think people who are lower energy don't... They don't have as high of like a success rate in the classroom or they don't feel as satisfied with their life in Korea. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's sort of your personality is kind of lower than teaching efl might not be for you because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it is like acting like you're selling a language you're selling a culture and you have to have a persona that will help you to do that Good but also i would say if you are struggling it would really help to join cotisa.
0: Definitely. <laughs> which
1: is something that i it took me a really long time to find out about cotisa and then to join cotisa. I think Wow. I,
0: I'm surprised to hear that because you're in such a dynamic area for that cotisal chapter is quite dynamic.
1: Yes. Yeah, i think i, I might have heard of them but like i didn't i wasn't pushed to go to meetings until i was maybe I want to say six months, but I think that might be too generous on my part. I think it was closer to a year. (laughs) It was my first year of teaching. I think I was just like, it was still an adventure and I was in a new country for the first time and I was just kind of doing my own thing. And then when I renewed for my second year, I thought, okay, like it's time to get serious. Like let's (sighs) find some professional development because I was a certified teacher And I think that first year was kind of like, yeah, I finished school. Let's live a little. And then after that, I was like, okay, like, I am a teacher. I I need to keep developing myself. So I Mm -hmm. I started attending COTESOL. And if I could tell my younger self, like, give some advice, I would say join COTESOL immediately. Don't wait a year. Just just go. (laughs) And that's um, when I was working... At Jetty for teacher training, we, um, that office also handles all of the Jelanamdo language program teachers. So all the new teachers who come into the province go there for their orientation. And I was, uh, I was a guest speaker at all the orientations and at the beginning of every presentation, I had a slide about Kotisil and about the Guangzhou branch, where they meet, when they met, and sort of what services they provided. And I always told the new teachers, if you are going to be here long-term and you're very serious about being an EFL teacher, please join COTESL. It is your one-stop shop for professional development. And also it's a really important networking opportunity.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up. and really glad that you just said that. It's kind of what's really why I do the podcast is to try and yes. get people that are just walking around wondering and hopefully they hear. I don't think there are any other Cotisaw podcasts going, so that was no, just I'm... sort of trying to reach out. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you starting this podcast. Uh, I've just gotten into podcasts this year, and I'm really, really happy and excited that there's now one for Kotisol. Like you said, I think it's really important to reach a wider audience.
0: I get so excited, especially with somebody like you. Your energy is just contagious, and I kind of get lost in that, and I forget about the master plan. Here, so.
1: <laughs> Don't worry. I never forget about KOTISL, because they really were, like, the biggest influence on me while I was in Korea was my my connection and my participation in Kotisol. I really have to thank the organization for all the opportunities they gave me personally and professionally. If it wasn't for them, I would not be the teacher and the person that I am today. So thank you, Kotisil.
0: High praise indeed. Uh, I, I'm sure it goes both ways, too. I mean, that it's It's about teachers helping teachers. So,
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: But you left Korea, uh, and during the pandemic, and I just... I think wow, I w- I don't want to move around too much, you know, during the the pandemic. And I mean, I know you probably came to the end of a contract, but there's a pandemic. So, yes. I'm thinking <laughs> why not just stay a little bit until the dust settles.
1: Well, yes, I I had thought of that, but uh well, there were push and pull factors as there always are for a yeah. big decision. So, the the pull factor was my best friend So I've known her since primary school, and we've been best friends since high school. She has been trying to buy a house the whole time that I was living in Korea. But because of the economy and the housing market right now, it is almost impossible for young people to get houses. So she said, she basically, she came out and asked me, would you buy a house with me? Hmm. Can we split the cost 50-50? And I said, having a house would be a very good thing. It would be worth moving back to Canada for. So I said, yes, I will buy a house uh-huh. with you because I had some savings. But then she said, okay, but the condition is if we buy a house, you have to come home. You, you can't stay in Korea. I'm not living in a house by myself. I said, okay. So that was the pull factor that we were wow, going to buy book. a house together. Yes. Um, And the push factors um, was not as positive. Uh, My job was becoming more and more about student and short adult programs and Mm -hmm. less and less about the intensive teacher training programs. And I had gone back to Korea specifically for the teacher training programs And so I realized that uh, the budget was getting smaller for those Mm -hmm. things and that they were transitioning more towards multicultural education. And uh, by the end, our center was kind of like a giant English town and less teacher training. And I saw what was happening and I thought, okay, in another year, we won't have teacher training anymore. And... I didn't want to be there when that happened. I was like, Mm -hmm. just, I should go out on a high note. The program we had last year, the teachers were incredible. They were the best group I'd ever taught. And I, when I finished that program, I thought this is a good program to be the last one. And I kind of knew even before my friend asked me to buy a house, I knew that my time was coming to an end And I was like, next year would be a good year to stop, to leave Korea.
0: Well, it's good to realize that sometimes people stay too long.
1: Yes. And I I just, I was nearing the end of my emotional resilience. There was so much cognitive dissonance in my teaching life of what I wanted for my teaching and what the administration was giving us the opportunity for like the budget was getting less and less. And they Mm -hmm. kept saying like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And I thought, okay, this is just, the quality is getting worse and worse. So it's time to leave, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate, but that's the way things go sometimes.
0: It has a a ring to it. You know, that sort of bittersweetness, like a, Cats song what song from Cats would that be
1: (laughs) it would be the song that everybody knows midnight turn your face to the moonlight let your memory lead you open up enter in I remember a time I knew what happiness was. Let the memory live again.
0: You have been listening to Christy Dawson serenade, sing, and teach us about Life in Korea and uh, how to survive.
1: Thank you very much, Greg.
0: Oh, thank you. That this has been absolutely delightful. You have been listening to Christy Dawson on the Youngin Kotisal Podcast Spring Series called Now and Then. You can follow Christy on her vlog and on Facebook, as well as her website at just com Links are available in the show notes. Intro and outro music by Amy Copping. Production and hosting by me, and my name is Greg Lewis. Bye for now.